Macroni. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there Michael Turner with a song called Kandar with a C all about this project that he's going to be doing at Granville Island in the upcoming weeks. And that's the theme song for it. Kandahar by Michael Turner, the author of Hardcore Logo Kingsway and many other books, including also he was a member of the Hard Rock Miners and did many great tunes for many other bands. But that was Kandahar with A.C. And right now on the line, we have some people. Could you introduce yourselves first? Line one. Who are you? Um, I don't know what line we're on. I don't know what line I'm on either. This... Yeah, you go first, Kara. Hi, my name is Carolyn. Uh, who are you? Uh, I'm a bass player in Vapid, or the bass player. And who else do we have on line two? Who's 
Who's number two in Vapid? I will be number two. My name's Katie, and I sing in Vapid. And who do we have as number three behind door number three? Uh, ben, and I play drums. So, Ben, you're stepping up to be number three of Vapid. Sure, why not? So, <laughs> someone's got to do it. So somebody is number four, and who might number four be? I'm Steven. Um, play guitar. It's Stephen on guitar. And for the listeners out there that are wondering, it's me, Nardward, a human serviette, speaking to the band Vapid. Right, Vapid? Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Yes, I'm speaking to Vapid. But how am I speaking to Vapid? This is quite incredible, isn't it? It's completely it's a crazy bizarre. technology you got here. We have, yes, we have loaded up the phone line at CITR. All four phone lines are occupied by all four members of the band Vapid. They are that devoted to doing an interview that they all took time off to phone in at the exact same time to the Nardwara Human Serviette radio show, Vapid. That is incredible, Vapid. Your devotion. Your, it's incredible. Of course. Actually, I'm not taking any time off. I'm still at work. And it, it also works as an art project there, too. I hear something in the background. Who oh, is the, sorry. I just got out of a car. And where do we hear? And who is that? And what are we hearing in the background? Um, that's Carolyn, and I just got out of a car, and I'm entering my apartment now. <laughs> Carolyn from the band Vapid, speaking to me, Nardwarty Human Serviette, Vapid, or from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And i got to say, Vapid, right off the bat, are you guys very organized, Vapid number three. Are you very organized, Vapid number three? Oh, no, yeah, no, I wouldn't exactly say yes. Well, uh, well, I would say you're on top of it. Katie, wouldn't you say that you guys are on top of it? Well, we've gotten a lot better, you know. It's, it was a slow beginning, but we're, yeah, we're getting a little more organized. Well, I love that. see it's all here. Yes, you're all there, all phoning into the Nardwater Human Surveyor Radio Show. But I have additional evidence for that as well, Vapid. This past weekend, I phoned you up, Katie, and said, would you like to open for the band The Cribs? And you said... Yes. And you let me know in, like, four minutes. <laughs> you it's it's a marvel of the things. cell phone technology. That was a real quick response. It did I end- actually said yes before I'd even gotten a hold of Ben, our drummer, or Steven, the guitar player. I just, I had said yes before they even knew there was a show. But that was great that you did that and got back to me so quickly. And then unfortunately, I broke you the news that it actually wasn't going to happen. Sorry about yeah, that, Katie. That's okay. That's okay. But I just loved the way how it was that quick. Like, that is a quick response. Just You ask a band if they want to play a gig and they get back to you within a couple minutes. And they... You ask for an interview, and then they all phone in. I mean, you know, many famous people have been asked stuff. You know, why did you climb that mountain? Well, because the mountain was there. Well, for me, Vapid, just the fact that you got back to me within four minutes, whether you wanted to open for the Cribs, just the fact that you've all phoned in now to the Nardwara Human Serviette radio show, it could end right now, and I'd be happy. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for bringing that joy. I will say right off the bat, though, well, not really right off the bat, but Carolyn of the band Vapid, are you also known as number seven? Um, I don't know what, what that means. No, I don't know. Because I was saying you're known as number seven because you're the seventh bass player in the Riff Randalls. Oh, you're right. That's true. <laughs> How many... I got to go to Japan with them. Uh, yeah, were you number seven? Like I actually don't know the exact number, but I mean, it's up there. I mean, at least number four. I think there was uh, Mar, Gabby, uh... I can't remember. One of the girls from Live on Release? Yeah. I don't know her name. 
<laughs> now, but if you're been a few. if you're bass player number seven, is bass player number six mad that you got to go to Japan? Oh, actually, I think she was okay with it. We talked about it right when I had sort of been approached, and I don't think she was too excited about going on that tour anyway. She got to go to Europe, so you know, we each had our good fun tour. And we're talking here to the band Vapid from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I'm Nardwari Human Serviette. All four members of Vapid are on the phone right now, phoning from four different locations, four undisclosed locations in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And Stephen of Vapid, I'd like to ask you, you guys played with the Zero Boys. Did you really play with the Zero Boys and the Mentally Ill in Chicago? Uh, we played on the day the Zero Boys played, yes. How did you get on that gig? And could you speak just a tiny bit louder and tell the people you got on a gig like the Zero Boys? You played with the Zero Boys. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know, someone just uh, emailed us and asked if we wanted to play. Because that is quite, how, how was that gig? How was that? good. I had to watch it from outside. <laughs> did you? Did, that was pretty good. You watched it from the outside? Yeah. Was it one of those gigs where you play in and they tell you to get out? Uh, yeah, kind of. Well, I told Steven to get out and he was stealing <laughs> beer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it wasn't because you were underage or anything like that then? No, no we're stealing beer. beer downstairs. Stealing beer or spilling beer? Stealing, stealing beer. How do you get caught stealing beer? I got caught in the fridge. I wasn't a good lookout for him. <laughs> was that your only gig in Chicago then? Yeah, that was the only one in Chicago. So how did that gig with the Zero Boys compare to play with when you played with Fucked Up at the Biltmore? Uh, oh, jeez. I kind of liked uh, the Zero Boys show a bit more in comparison. Um, I think the Zero Boys show was more fun, even though Steven got in trouble. It was a festival, so um, there's like seven bands on the It was a festival. It was in Chicago. It was in this old, you know, Abbey. What was it called? Abbey? (laughs) The Abbey? Um, Yeah, no, that one was, uh, it was just the whole experience of being in Chicago was amazing. And being with Fucked Up, that was a pretty good show, though. Ben, how would you describe the Defectors versus Vapid playing in the Biltmore? Is there any difference playing in the Defectors or playing in Vapid at the Biltmore? I mean, two different instruments that I play, so a, a different experience for me, I guess, like a subjectively different experience. Um, I mean, not really. It's the same, it's the same space. How about that fucked up gig, though? What did you think of that gig? Uh, I had to leave immediately afterwards because uh, I was recording at, uh, the Hive that night, so I didn't really get to stick around and see fucked up or anything. So, Did the recording ever come out that you recorded at the Hive? And what band were you recording with at the Hive? Was that Defectors? Uh, that was, yeah, that was the Defectors. That was their new LP, which hasn't, has yet to come out. Aha! Uh-huh. So you left early, but your why you left hasn't really produ- been produced. When will it come out? Um, uh, I'd like to know that myself. I don't know. It's just one of those things. What label will it be on? You don't know? You're just shopping around? Nope. Uh, it's coming out on nominal. Same as the VAP LP. And Katie of the band Vapid, we're speaking to Vapid here on in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I think you're in Vancouver, British Columbia. How can you guys prove you're in Vancouver right now? Because you wouldn't have paid the long distance to phone into the Nardwari Human Serviette radio show. <laughs> yeah, that's proof. That's the way you prove it. <laughs> uh, I was wondering, Katie, the, you also played with the Unnatural Helpers at the Peanut Gallery. Do you remember that gig? <laughs> no, I don't. Do you remember playing the Peanut Gallery? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I've 
I never made it to the peanut gallery, Vapid, and I was wondering, what is that place like? That's a uh, shame. That was a great space. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, but yeah, that place is awesome. It's too bad it's still, it's not around anymore. It's kind of like playing in your, I don't know, parents' basement or something. And this weekend, you're going to be playing at the El Dorado. Oh, no, not this weekend. Next weekend. Next, next weekend. Next weekend, you're playing at the El Dorado. Is that the official record release? Your brand new LP is out. Uh, no, we played the record release uh, like a couple uh, about a month ago, two month and a half ago, December fourteenth or something. December twelfth, like or yeah, something like that. But next Saturday at the El Dorado, 2330 Kingsway, Vapid will be playing. And at the end of the Nardwarty Human Survey at Radio Show, we're going to play a whole bunch from side one of your LP. We're going to play, as this interview ends, side one of your LP on the Nardwarty Human Survey at Radio Show. A whole bunch of it. Vapid, you guys made it to the Motown Museum, too. I saw that picture of you guys. At the, did you actually go inside the Motown Museum? And was this part of a tour, Vapid? Because I'd mentioned Chicago, and now I've mentioned kind of Detroit. How many gigs did you do, and did you go to the Motown Museum? We just went outside the Motown Museum. We didn't go inside. It was closed. It was a Sunday. Money. We just were driving through, and we, we made the convoy pull over the band we were touring with so we could get our pictures taken. <laughs> kind of nerdy. How did you find it? Did you just happen to go just, by it? Yeah, totally just, just happened past. to go by it. Yeah. Stop! Turn around! That <laughs> yeah. Steven was like, stop! Stop! <laughs> we have to go there! <laughs> and was that part of a tour? Like you played Detroit and Chicago just two dates? Did you play anywhere else? No, we played like ten dates, I think. We played like Toronto and Montreal and... Toronto a couple Toronto, times. Toronto, Grand Rapids... Uh, Niagara, um, Detroit. Niagara Falls, that was a fucking bummer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you stay with any relatives? Where did you stay on this tour? Uh, floors. Oh, God. Mostly. Yeah, dirty, dirty floors. Any Vancouverites? Uh, we actually stayed with Gabby from Career Suicide. I, think I can't remember, never remember if he actually played in that band. We stayed with Gabby from Retrobates. I think you know him. Well, Gabby from the Riff Randalls. Yeah, Gabby yeah. from the Riff Randalls. He put us up in Toronto, and that was a really nice place to stay. Yes, very, But then very once nice. we were on the road, it was a little bit downhill from there. <laughs> now, Vapid, you mentioned filthy floors. Who just said filthy floors that you slept on? Oh, I did. Katie. Katie. <laughs> and the cover of your LP kind of has a filthy floor, doesn't it? The cover of your brand new LP by Vapid? Yes. It looks filthier than it is. Uh, it but, was, it was um, yeah. Sorry, Stephen. bathroom floor. What were you saying, Stephen? Oh, it's just kind of a discoloration on the floor. It actually was clean. I had just cleaned it. <laughs> now, was that a photo that you had taken and it just ended up being the LP cover? Uh, yeah. Well, we took it for it, like, trying out different different uh, images for the cover. But And Katie? Yes? Uh, you were acting a bit on that, or is that an actual real night of excitement of Vapid? <laughs> well, that's a secret I will never tell. Because <laughs> you like the theater school, right? You like the acting. Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> you really love to participate. Did you go to UBC too? Doing theater I school? I did. Just, just, I didn't do theater school at UBC. I, just, I went to UBC and then I uh, dropped out of UBC to go to theater school. But you love to participate in some activity. Did you come up to CATR at all? While I was at UBC? Yeah. No, honestly, I don't even think I knew it was in existence. But you did find time to join a sorority? Um, Choose a social chair. 
Do we have to talk about that? No, not really. I just thought it was great. Do you love partic- to participate? Like, you know, you go to university and you you experience university yes, life. Yes, I had to be all Canadian or all American, if you want to say, experience for the two years I was there. And then Vapid came a calling. Well, pretty much. I went to school in in Toronto, and then when I moved back, um, it came a calling. And yeah. And here we are. And here we are, live with Vapid on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. I'm speaking to all four members of the band Vapid, who are playing next weekend, Saturday the 13th, at the Eldorado with Terrorbird and Chris Horrific, and they have individually phoned in to the CITR phone hybrid, so they're each on different phone lines phoning into the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. Showing their devotion. Ben of the band Vapid, are you still there? I'm still here. What is your role in songwriting? What is the songwriting process of Vapid? And again, we'll be exposing people to some Vapid if they haven't heard Vapid before at the end of this interview. What is the songwriting process for you in Vapid? Um, I mean, it's, it's not ever really the same. Um, but often somebody, you know, comes to practice, has a riff, uh, something they want to work on. I usually help with the structural element, coming up with the structure of the song. Uh, Katie always comes up with the melodies and the words, uh, so, but we often add ideas or uh, help out with the, the lyric writing as well. Now, being in other bands, have you used any ideas from the defectors that the defectors might have rejected? Have you got any hand-me-downs from the defectors at all, Katie? Do you feel you're getting hand-me-downs from the defectors at all, Katie? Oh, do I? No, no, not at all. But hand me down some. <laughs> yeah, we did a couple times, and they turn out really well. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if it ever happens that way, yeah, it's it's a good thing. Because, you know, bands over the years have stolen from stuff like there's Red Cross and there's the Circle Jerks and Black Flag and songs got passed amongst each other. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they're great songs, but I was just wondering, are there any similar riffs between any of the different bands? Ben, I know you're playing different instruments. Do you ever get confused of what's going on or what the song is? Uh, no, I, no, not really. I mean, I often write songs for both bands, and uh, I'll, I'll just write a song, whatever, for myself, and then, and then kind of depending on which band I think it, it fits more, you know, stylistically with, it goes to that band. It's not really a... That's, that's a real Motown songwriting sort of school thing. I love that. <laughs> And Stephen from the band Vapid, were you originally from Lumbee, B.C.? Yeah, that's correct. What can you tell the people about Lumbee, B.C.? To me, that's where punk started in British Columbia. Did you know that? Uh, well, this, there's a, some subhuman story that they, one of their mom's properties or something they were living the sub well some of the before DOA and the subhumans were the subhumans and DOA they were a band called Stone Crazy and they lived in Lumbee BC. So you were you were born in the place where punk rock started. Did you know that growing up that there was such a tradition of kind of coolness from Lumbee BC because I think like Timothy Leary was there and like there were Sasquatch hunters that lived there too. <laughs> yeah, well growing up there it didn't really feel that cool, but um were there any hippie elements that you encountered growing up at all, Stephen? Yeah, there's lots of hippie elements in that area. Lots of hippie families, etc. Because it does seem 
to have rubbed off on you a little bit, although I notice you've got a tiny bit quieter when I've mentioned Lumbee, B.C. So if you could speak up just a tiny bit, Stephen. I do notice that you have a song called Hate You. You guys have a song called Hate You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And DOA has a song called I Hate you. You! <laughs> you. <laughs> I knew there was a connection. So, subliminally, you guys have been linked to DOA through Lumbee, BC, and Song as well. Who wrote the song, Hate You? Steven. I think, yeah, I did. Was there, a, was there a DOA influence at all in putting that song together? Uh, What's that no, song about? Really. What's Hate You about? Uh, it's actually it's about me, and um, I'm really uh, horribly... Uh, Moody when I get woken up when I'm sleeping. No, he's just like one of those. He's mean when he's sleeping. Like it's insane. But then we you also found out that Dennis nice as well. Self. And one time he uh, kicked his uh, younger sister across the room while he was sleeping. She tried to wake him up. The song "Hate so You." So it kind of worked out that it sort of ended up being about both of us, or people that just kind of are angry when they're asleep get woken up, kind of uncontrollably. So. Carolyn. What was the first local punk band that you saw? Um, oh my god, that's a really good question. Um, While you're thinking, why don't we move on to Katie? <laughs> Katie, what was the first local punk band that you saw? Um, I was, uh, you guys, you would have to help me out well, that night. We went to the candy bar, probably. Do you remember who was playing? Mutators, maybe? Huh? Mutators, maybe? No, it wasn't one of our bands. Oh, it was like Sadie's boyfriend's band or something. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're Oh, the China Creeps? Who? No. Oh. It was. I guess we don't, I don't know. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's Clorox Girls. You know what? The Nons are one of the first bands I remember seeing when I first um, came to Vancouver. Featuring featuring Anne-Marie Rock. Yes. They actually might have been one of the first bands I saw, too, actually. So while you're still thinking, Carolyn, Ben, what was the first punk band that you saw? Uh, the first one I can remember is, uh, I guess, Latex Bride. At, do you remember Misty's Cabaret? Yes, it burnt down. They used, have, um, they used to have these nights, what was it called now? Something, art something, I don't know. Anyway, oh, yeah. Art Damaged. Yeah, Art Damaged Cabaret, that's it. And what was the band called? Uh, Latex Bride. And what happened to them? Um, well, let's see. Well, while you're thinking of what happened to them, why don't we move on to Stephen? Stephen, what was the first punk band you saw? And we're speaking to Stephen from the band Vapid and all the members of the band Vapid today on the Nardwater Human Survey Radio Show. First one from here? Yeah, the first local punk band that you saw that you can okay, remember. Local punk band. Um, let's see. Okay, we'll go back to Carolyn. <laughs> Oh, I think I'm just going to have to say the nons, because I, I mean, I, uh, I used to hang out with Jesse from um, Twin Crystals, and I'm pretty sure I went to some of my first shows with him, so that what, would make sense. What's really cool, though, is, Katie and Carolyn, it almost seems like the first punk band that you ever saw was your own band! <laughs> I take that as a huge compliment. It's pretty it's close, huge. isn't it? How close is that? It must be pretty close, right? Well, my first, I played in Channels 3 and 4 like 10 years ago, so I guess that would have kind of counted as one of the first bands, punk bands I experienced. How did you guys all meet? In other words, Ben, how did you meet Vapid? Uh, Well, I used to live in a 
another little shithole town called Vernon right beside where Stephen was from there. And I met Stephen because there wasn't very many interesting people in the places we're from, so you tend to gravitate towards other people who have similar interests in music or whatever as yourself. And uh, Carrie, I met through Jesse um, from Twin Crystals, Channels 3 and 4. She sang in his band. Um, and then Katie's her sister. So that is all my connections, I think. Was there anything happening in Vernon? What are the other bands from the Vernon area? Um, I, I don't know. It's been 10 years since I lived there. Have you guys done any return gigs to Vernon at all? Have you thought about that? Or in the interior? Uh, yeah, I used to play in another band uh, a long time ago that played in Kamloops. That's the, that's the closest I've been, really. You guys, Vapid, have the song MRSA. Did you write that one, Stephen? <laughs> yes, he did, pretty much. Him and I wrote it, I'd say, right? Yeah, and Ben came up with the, the uh, chorus part. Because what's interesting about MRSA, the MRSA, did you actually get MRSA? Yeah, I did. Because once you get MRSA, you never get rid of it. But even if you never had it, you always you always have it too. Because usually, You're like still the your nose and stuff like that. Well, I know that, like in hospitals, once you get MRSA and then you get readmitted to a hospital, they have a special little thing that they put on the door and they make you wear gowns, and it's like MRSA for life. Even if you had it five years ago, you got MRSA. It sounds pretty serious sometimes when you get it. How bad did you have it? I had it actually really bad. I was in the hospital. Like uh, I didn't stay overnight, but I had to go back twice a day to get uh, IV. And, uh, yeah, single lots painkillers and stuff is pretty bad. When did the lyrics come? Katie, did you write the lyrics on that? Or Carolyn, who wrote the lyrics for MRSA? That one was kind of, Katie came up with uh, melodies and some bunch of lyrics at first, and then we kind of uh, worked on it as a, as, as a whole group, actually. How did you guys, Vapid, end up on Deranged Records? I know you're on Nominal. Well, actually, maybe you could say it. How did you end up on Nominal, and then how did you end up on Deranged, and then how did Deranged and Nominal both agree to put you guys out? Um, well, we were on uh, Sean, that's Nominal, asked uh, if he, we wanted to put out a record, and then that was... Uh, I can't hear you. The, oh, can yeah, you hear me? He, okay, um, Sean asked us if, put, if we would put out a record. That Sean, that is Nominal Records. Um, asked if we would put out a record, and then uh, we did, so... Yeah, like, Katie, how did you get Deranged? I don't know. I think that I think that um, Gord just talked to Sean and wanted wanted to be a part of it. If that makes sense, I don't know. Is that right, guys? Like they just spoke together. Usually, yeah, Stephen takes care friends. of this stuff. Gord and Sean, who run their respective labels, are friends from the from years ago. And somehow they, they, it was their idea. We didn't, we didn't ask. I mean, I think they just decided to split on, on the full length. So it was something they, they came up with. And what's really great is Deranged Records is based on the Sunshine Coast. So as much as you guys want to get away from Lumbee, B.C. or Vernon, B.C., your new record label is now on the Sunshine Coast. You're back in a small town. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and it's incredible, the stuff that Gord puts out on Derange, too. There's tons and tons of stuff. What's your favorite deranged act, Carolyn? Do you have a favorite deranged act? Um, I'd have to go with White Lung. <laughs> oh, yes. I, for, I forgot. How, there's so, there are so many on Deranged, aren't there? There's tons. 
And of course, there's the brand new release from Vapid that we're going to be playing a couple selections from on an Ardwarty Human Serviette radio show and winding up here with Vapid on an Ardwarty Human Serviette radio show. Again, Vapid, you have phoned in individually to the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show, haven't you? Yep. We have. Yes, we have. We have four different members of Vapid phoning in on four different phone lines to the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. And if you want to catch Vapid, not phoning it in, or do you phone it in sometimes, some nights? Hell no, we always bring it. <laughs> they never phone it in except to the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. Saturday the 13th at the El Dorado with Terrorbird and Chris Riffick. And that's at 2330 Kingsway. Have you guys played the El Dorado before? No. No, this will be our first time. First time at the El Dorado with the band mm-hmm. Vapid. Do you have any new songs that you've written? I saw the song 1983. Is that on the LP? No, no. We've no. written a lot of new songs. and that, That'll that's be for a, our next LP. Yeah. What's the song 1983 about? 1983. <laughs> it is actually about 1983. Well, it's just about, you know, like, the, it's how life was back in 1983. Oh, thank you so much. Because <laughs> so many people these days, you know, they have songs and it's not actually about, you know, what you hope it would be. But that's really great, you know, that it actually is about that. Uh, Stephen, you love the Brian Adams, too, don't you? Uh, I really like that first uh, disco single. Like the <laughs> let, let, me, let Me Take You Dancing. That's the yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Let's just hear a tiny little sample of that for the listeners out there in Radioland. This is the number one influence of the band Vapid here on CITR. This is Brian At. Actually, before I um, kick into this, Stephen, why don't you give it a bit of an intro here? What is this particular song, the background on this particular song? The background? Yeah. It's Brian Adams. Well, he's like the disco background. Yeah, what's the dis- this? Is, you just love early Brian Adams. Uh, I just particularly like that single. Uh, it's, it's got it's pretty, uh, it's pretty funny. And if you're wondering, His voice is pitched up, so it kind of sounds like he's trying to emulate a, like a teen girl. It's a pretty embarrassing career start, <laughs> I'd say. But yeah. and here it is via Vapid. so much for helping me rediscover Brian Adams Vapid. I really appreciate that. No problem. My pleasure. <laughs> and that was actually recorded by or written by or helped produce by Jim Valance, who is still around. Cool. I'm, cool. I, I, I'm just, I, question mark. I, who actually produced all your stuff? Uh, Sean from Nominal is um, he's partly responsible. we we kind I mean, of produced it's just ourselves. a group thing with him, all of us, and then our recording engineers. Uh, well, Mike. Jordan Coop and Mike Gittens would be the engineers. Yeah. 
Caroline, Goldie and the Gingerbreads. You like Goldie and the Gingerbreads. I do, yes. I also noticed that you like silver chair. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Anna's song. That's a really good song. When did you get into silver chair? Oh, my God, a long time ago. I don't know, when they were new, I guess. <laughs> Would you think of covering them then? Um, maybe if everyone disagreed on it. I don't know. <laughs> What do you no. think? No? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck that shit. I used to think that singer was really hot. <laughs> what covers have you guys done? Didn't you do Nervous Breakdown at one time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, first. Uh, that's our first. got the hits. The Red Cross. I Don't Love You. Oh, I Don't Love You by the Dish Rags. Yeah. Uh, oh, great. I Want Candy. You st- <laughs> oh, God. Hucking uh, Candy. Well, hard baby, candy I Love You. Heads. Uh, what else did we play? I think that might... Oh, we split. Um, now I Want to Be Your Dog. We never covered that live. Do we, I think we played it once. No? We played, no, it, we played it at our first that. practice. That's it. Oh, that's it? Okay. That's yeah. it. Oh, uh, we played Sex Bomb by Flipper. Oh, yeah, Sex Bomb. And you were to band Vapid from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And will you, Ben, be playing any covers coming up at this gig next Saturday the 13th? No, all originals. No covers? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. Well, one. unless you want us to, we could come up. Do you guys want to do a cover? Sure, yeah, you name it. A why don't we let Nardwarward make a request and we'll learn it? Well, what if people yeah. yelled at you from the audience, Katie? Oh, that wouldn't fly. What have, That's not going to go. Yelled at me for what? Have they ever yelled for a song twice in a row at different gigs, just a cover song? Is there a song that people always yell for in Vancouver? Mm, I can't say that. I mean, people have... Yeah, people have yelled for things, but not a particular song to cover, no. Stephen, so. Stephen, you're also into Beavis and Butthead? Uh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and, yeah, they're pretty funny. And you like swimming, too? Swimming? Um, yeah, I like swimming. Because Tyler from CITR was telling... Yeah, we were swimming, party, swimming buddies last summer. Yeah, he was saying that you witnessed something quite amazing, a bald ego... Pick yeah, we swam out to the edge of the area you can uh, be swimming in before it's, like, not considered the beach anymore. And we were turning around, and then a bald eagle came down and swooped, swooped, like, 20 feet in front of us and caught a fish and then circled back up to his tree. It's pretty cool. And then you ended up playing with the pierced arrows. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that was awesome. Did you One get to talk to them? Did you talk? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was also looking at photos for you guys, and I don't know why I ended up, but I ended up on a website called lindsaysdiet.com. Do you know that website? Yeah. What is that website? I couldn't quite understand, but it looked totally amazing, but I couldn't quite understand how you were associated with it. I don't know. I think that's just like one of those things when they're sort of like just people that take pictures at par- at shows and parties and stuff. It's just completely... Like a random photo process, I suppose. Yeah, it was great to see your photos up there. I didn't know where I was going, but I was just clicking away, and there was the band Vapid. So what's coming up next for The Defectors, Ben? Now that I'm speaking to Ben from The Defectors. Um, not, I don't think we have any shows lined up that I can think of. I don't know. Just trying to get that LP released. Yeah, we have that LP. We have some new songs. We're going to go do another 7-inch uh, pretty soon. Uh, that's, that's about it. Are there any of the Earthquake 7-inches left at all? 
I think so. Uh, yes, I'll be bringing some to Victoria this weekend. How many were made? Because it said like 312 were made. Is that true? 312? I think then there's a second pressing. There's like 500 or 600 in total. Was it 312? Like, was, is that accurate? 300? I, liked it, I liked it it was 312. Yeah, I think so. so. I think originally 312. Yeah. So, and then right, like 322 right. or something. Right now, Vapid, we're going to play a good chunk of the first side of your LP, and then afterwards we're going to have an interview with the Cribs, the band that I tried to get you to play with, but unfortunately it didn't work out there. But thank you for phoning back so quickly. I do appreciate that. My second part of my Cribs interview. But what can you tell the people about the songs we're going to hear? The first couple songs on side A of your LP that's just been released. Katie? Um, so that's Choke and then, I don't Die. Die? Um... It's choke and sex stain. Oh. Oh, sex stain and die are in the wrong order. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the back. So it'll be choke, die, then sex stain, then hate you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And takes a walk, baby, and bruises and MRSA. So we're going to play a good chunk of side one of Practically Dead by the band Vapid, who are live on the Nardwater Human Serviette radio show right now, all phoning in individually. And this is a nominal records and deranged records co-release. And Vapid are playing next Saturday night at the El Dorado with Terrorbird and Chris Terrific. So Vapid, Katie, anything else you want to add to people out there at all? Uh, I not that I can think of. I just hope they enjoy it. Carolyn, Vapid, anything you'd like to add to the people out there at all? Um, we love you. That's all I can think. Of. And Stephen, Vapid, anything else you'd like to add to the people out there at all? Uh, no, that sounds good. And Ben, Defectors, and Vapid, anything you'd like to add to the people out there at all, or any other bands you play in? Don't you play some other bands too? Uh, yeah, I also play in Sex Church. Would Sex Church ever cover Sex Stain? Uh, probably not. And anything else you'd like to add to the people out there at all? Not really. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for phoning in, and everybody being the band Vapid, to the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show. Here we go with Practically Dead. Why should people care about the band Vapid? Why should people care? They shouldn't. There's not really any good reason. <laughs> Don't don't care well thanks so much Fapid keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do
And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Hate You from Vapid. And before that, Sixteen by Vapid. And before that, Die from Vapid. And before that, Choke from Vapid. All from the LP Practically Dead from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada's Vapid, released on Nominal and Deranged Records. And before all those songs, an interview with Vapid. And Vapid will be playing next Saturday, the 13th, at the El Dorado with Terrorbird and Chris Riffick. And the El Dorado is 2330 Kingsway. Coming up, an interview I did with the Cribs. I interviewed them a couple weeks ago on the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show and then again went down to their gig to interview them again. This was when they played at the venue last weekend. So coming up, an interview with the Cribs. Before we get to the Cribs, we're going to play on an Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show a song by the Dharma Bums, who the Cribs mention in the interview that I'm about to play with the Cribs. And it's the Dharma Bums from Portland, Oregon, covering Greg Sage and the Wipers song On the Run. And then an interview with the Cribs on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. Oh, uh-huh. 
And who's in the Cribs? Uh, there's me, Gary, Ross, and Johnny. Cribs, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It's nice to be back. Now, Ryan of the Cribs, who do we have right here? Hello. Uh, that's, that's Nigel. The you top. forgot Nigel. Yeah. Nigel of London Town. Has Nigel been forgotten on this tour? Uh, no, not really. He's, uh, yeah, I guess he has been. Unfortunately not. No, you said Nigel of London Town? Nigel of London Town. And who do we have over here? Well, come on in. Who do we have here? We have the most important... We have... Robbie Z. Delivering the most important thing? Beer glasses. The beer glasses. So come on in. I think the cribs really need the beer glasses. Beer goggles. Yeah, we need yeah, it needs the beer goggles. Um, so he said Nigel of London Town. I did. <laughs> and I was thinking... Twice. You are Professor Marr, aren't you? Johnny Marr. Yeah, to some. Because I thought you did some, like, spoken word thing at, like, the University of Salford or something, wasn't it? Well, yeah, when I, when I speak, I tend to use words. So it was a, a lecture, so I spoke some words. But that wasn't the spoken word thing I did. But that's interesting, though. You, you did a university lecture, a professor. Words were spoken. Yeah, for, yeah, I did a university lecture, yeah, I did. On um, Outsiders, it was called uh, Build Your Own Ark, Innovators and Outsiders, yeah. Do you want to hear it? It was an hour and a half long. I kind of do in a way. How much time do you have? I've got plenty of time. In the beginning. Have you guys heard it on this tour? Uh, no, no, we haven't, no. I've seen I, w- I wanted to go to the thing, actually, but I didn't... Uh, we, I was washing my hair. <laughs> we saw the flyers. The flyers look good. One thing I want to ask you right off the bat, Ryan, was you were on Nevermind the... Buzzcock. With Jermaine... Jackson. Jermaine Jackson. That's incredible, isn't it? That is pretty incredible, yeah. Jermaine, what happened? I did not see the full episode, but Jermaine, I mean, there's nothing bigger than that. Yeah, he liked, he, he liked me. He said he thought I was funny and cool. So, you know. What happened on the episode? Did you see it? Well, I, I didn't actually see it, uh, but Ryan was saying that he thought people were being a bit mean to Jermaine on the show, and Ryan felt, you felt bad for him. Yeah, Ryan liked I, I always feel bad, because that show's so, um, like, it is, like, the humour is based in kind of, like, you know, slagging people off and just being nasty. So, like, look, let's just, you know, can we just stop being nasty? It's like schoolyard bullying or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, um, I don't really like to see that happening, so me and Jermaine, we were good. And Ryan, the jacket you're wearing right now, is that a Vancouver jacket? It's not, it's not. Um, like most of the leather jackets I wear do come from Vancouver, but Bursu's Angels, which um, I bought two from there that I really like, but this one was made uh, by some woman who lives around the corner from my house in Bethnal Green in London. Canada's been pretty good to the cribs, right, Ross? Yeah, we spent uh, two months recording here uh, at the warehouse studios, Brian Adams Warehouse Studios, and yeah, it's a it's a major part of the cribs, I guess. Thanks. But even on this tour, wasn't the Toronto show pretty good? Toronto was great. Yeah, we played the Phoenix Theatre. You know, the Phoenix Theatre it was, it was great. It was one of the best shows that's all. And how about you, Johnny? Canada, Vancouver. I understand you like the running, the feet in Vancouver. That's right. I do. Yeah. Good, good foot action in Vancouver, yeah. Do you see the legendary foot doctor Doug Clement at all in Vancouver? No. I don't know about this person. There's a legendary foot doctor, but you're into the running, aren't you? Yeah, I like running, yeah. What sort of shoes do you have now? Those look 
Oh, those are different. Oh, what what happened? Wow. These these are these are Clarks. These are like um, archivey retro vin- vintage. That's the word. These are vintage Clarks in very good condition. Were you just wearing those on stage, or did you change? No, I was wearing these on stage. Wow. Okay, I was really admiring those ones. Is it hard to get the Clarks? Is it hard to get the Clarks in Portland? Uh, it's not hard to get them in England, and um, um, I don't change my shoes for interviews. I. I know people might think I do, but I don't. Not even for you, Nardwell. But maybe I will next time. Well, thank you very much, Cribs, for having such consideration. And I've been trying to get you even more Canadianized, haven't I? You absolutely have, yeah. You give me a CD of uh, Canadian music, The Painted Ship, and The Dish Rags being particular favourites. So I'm trying to get you guys to cover some Canadian songs, but you're not quite doing... No- I'm trying, I'm trying, aren't I? It's a secret, though. I thought it was a secret. We, did, we, we just had that discussion. Where we're like, well, it's kind of a secret. Yeah, well, we, we want to do it. We would do it if it wasn't for the fact that, um, you know, we, we have to leave tomorrow. It's, 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 but so- for Canadian songs, what Canadian songs do you guys like? Like, I've been trying to suggest songs for the Cribs to cover. What sort of songs do the Cribs like, Johnny? Now that you're kind of new to the Cribs, what sort of songs do they like? Like, I've been saying, you should cover kind of a punky one. Do they, you know... What do the Cribs like? We like the sweet glam rock group from England. We like his wigwam bam anything to do with being Canadianized. Do you know that song? Oh, wigwam, that sounds pretty Canadian. I, I like the um, like I like Destroyer a lot, and I like the um, uh, the hidden cameras as well. They were two things that I was thinking about covering. I think they'd be good. And you guys also the other night covered Jay Church. Uh, did we cover Jay Church? Yeah, we did. It's, it's an impromptu thing. It was San Francisco is a tribute to uh, the the lead singer who died a couple. Lance Horn. Lance, and he died when we were last time we were in uh, San Francisco. Actually, he just died, so we covered Jay Church that time. Then we did it again. It's a good song. That's great. When did you first hear about Jay Church? I first heard about Jay Church in 1990, 1997, probably the, late, the, late, the latter half of 1997. And I heard it on a, on a compilation of, um, like, I think there was a label in Leeds that, like, distributed a lot of, um, like, Mod Underground kind of, like, you know, stuff that's only available on 7 Inches. And they put together a CD compilation. Jay Church were one of the better bands on there, so... Yeah, Ryan, how daring is Johnny Marr? Uh, he, 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 he dares to, um, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's pretty daring. I don't know, I tried to think of something funny and it didn't come. How daring is Johnny Marr, Gary? Um, a little more daring than me, a little less daring than Ray. Ross, how daring is Johnny Marr? Uh, yeah, he's pretty daring. A little, uh, a little more daring than Gary, and a little less daring than Ryan. Where are we going with this? Where this is going is this. I am going to say you are extremely daring, Johnny Marr, and I have some evidence right now here to show. What do we have here? But Guitar Player magazine, yeah. and on the cover is. Guitar anti-hero, right? Me? Johnny, I found this picture of Johnny in his studio and I was like, man, that's a, I was saying that I liked the photograph. It was a cool photo. By the way, congratulations. That's pretty cool. Guitar player to be on the cover of. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was, yeah. I, that picture, I took that picture, like, I got my friend to take that, like, four, you can see it. 3.30 in the morning, yeah. It was a, the big daring thing, really, was that uh, it was black and white. The, the magazine um, wanted, wouldn't it? Yeah, Stratocaster. That, that was the thing. I was just taking the piss out of Johnny for having a Stratocaster because he never plays them, right? I was wondering about that. That is pretty daring, isn't it? It is. And John, John, I found out the other day, that, you know, Bill and Ted, you know, when they go, excellent, and then go, that was actually Steve Vai. 
guy that did that, you know what I mean? So that's, you know, fact hide. That really does kind of say it all, doesn't it? You know, that really is probably the, uh, that's probably the pinnacle of their, um, you know, their work, you know, being asked to do the licks for Bill and Ted's, uh, you know, like when they say Bardash or something, yeah. On this particular tour, what sort of guitar, speaking of shredding, are you guys carrying? Ryan plays a Gibson 335, and I play a Fender Jaguar, and... Because in this mic, I think you talk about your 59 Les Paul. Where did you get your 59 Les Paul? I got it from a shop in Los Angeles, and um, I conned him into uh, selling it to me for a really cheap price. Yeah. And you also talk about a Ricky that you got from Pete Townsend, and something you got from Jeff Beck, too. Did you actually get them right from Pete Townsend, or right from Jeff Beck? They did, yeah. What happened was we... Um, in both okay, I met both those people on a grassy knoll at midnight on a full moon. Okay, on, and um, they we all we all had like these hooded uh, gowns on, and both Jeff Beck and Pete Townsend passed over these guitars, bestowed the the, uh, the the guitars on me, and then we drank the blood of a groupie. They said, "Here, Johnny Marr, take this, take thy Rickenbacker." That's that's what happens in when you're a guitar hero. And how about yourself? Have you passed on the guitars as well? Now, have you done the exact same thing? Where have your guitars ended up? Yeah, have you, have you, have you, have you, oh, I've got one. Johnny gave me a, a purple jazz master. It, you gave me a purple jazz master, right? The thing is, I, I haven't actually given it to him yet. Yeah. See the way he just tried to get that, like in public. But, um, but it's in my basement. It's in my basement, at least. So, you know, possession is uh, nine tenths of the law or something like that. Works. I was looking at YouTube. Oh, YouTube, right? At YouTube, and the Men's Needs video has like six million views. Yeah, that's a lot of views, and like. Um, you know, like you don't know what the I don't know. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Six million views. Yeah. Now the girl in the video. Who is the girl, and did she get famous? She was. Uh, she was just a friend of uh, Diane Martel's, wasn't she? She was already kind of uh, not one. Well, like you know. What's her name? Can we give her some credit? It's called Sarah Stroller, I believe. I still remember that. Yeah, and she was, like, and she was a friend of the director, I believe. Like a yeah. model, a model friend of the director. And what I find interesting about this is you guys had the video directed by Martel, but you don't play the song Martel anymore? No, we don't, no, we don't like that one anymore. Well, we, I, we still kind of like it. It just feels a little old to us, you know, like we, like we, there's certain songs from our back catalogue which I just feel like represent a, a previous time of the band, really. I also feel like, you know, the, 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 like, the like gang vocals in that song, like I think a lot of bands like ripped off, ripped it off and like, you know, they made it so that we didn't want to do it anymore. I know, but that was after I learned it. I learned it and we never played it. How about for Cribs covers? Who's doing Cribs covers? Like Lightspeed Champion, they do a Cribs cover, right? He's done one apparently, so yeah. And he's got to wear that hat, right? That hat? He's uh, it's kind of like Edwin Collins used to wear, like the the coonskin cap. Right? Does he actually wear that in clubs too? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, I, it was. He came to our show at the Irving Plaza um, two weeks ago, and he was wearing the hat backstage. Then, so I guess that's you know that confirms it. So, Cribs, Ryan Cribs, you spent so much time in California, you had to get a Californian driver's license? I don't understand. No, that was when we were recording the, the album, and it's like, because, you know, LA is. So, well, I, it was kind of because LA is really big, so you need to drive around it, but also because passing your driving test in, in, uh, in England is really, really hard, and I've failed there six times, so I thought, well, I'll just come to California and uh, get it there, so there it is. 
official. I'm a, it, it doesn't. It kind of makes me a resident of California. So you guys are recording with Nick there, Nick. Nick Lana, yeah, he produced the album. And I was looking at his back catalog, and he's done some interesting people, hasn't he, Johnny? He did like the Jam. He did like Pill. I didn't know he did the Jam. He did, yeah, he did Pill, and he did. Uh, Killing Joke, and he's most recently famous for uh, Nick Cave and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. But he, he engineered like um, records like early XTC records. Apparently, uh, he was like one of the few people to get along with Johnny Rotten. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. What happened on the Pill record was um, Nick was only like 19. He wasn't supposed to be the producer, he was the engineer, but Johnny Rotten locked everyone else out of the studio except for Nick and just said, e Everyone else can fuck off home. Like, you know, just. just we're just keeping this guy, and that's what they did. And then Nick, Nick, it was kind of a far par. Like you know, he had to. He was like the underling at the studio, and he was kind of the doing the main job. So, I kind of says a lot about Nick. I think he's he's a cool guy. Is it good to have somebody talking in the studio? Were there lots of good stories coming out there, Johnny, from Nick? There were actually, yeah, there were a lot. In your experience recording is it nice to have the guy you're working with talking, or do you kind of dislike to concentrate? I don't like it because it gets in the way of my stories. It's like that, yeah, there's only room enough in the studio for one guy telling really boring, old, irrelevant stories, and that's me. But how about, like, has you ever ruined anything, Nick, by, like, you telling a story and then you fall over and start just laughing too hard? Has that happened, like, doing a take? It absolutely did happen. Like, Nick told me a story about um, a tramp insulting an American man's wife. Like, it's a, it's a stupid, convoluted story, but... Yeah, I, I, I couldn't get. It was like it became like a running joke after that, and a, like a long, long time catchphrase of the studio. It would, uh, yeah, it was distracting, pretty distracting. It was a funny story. And Cribs, you guys played with Comet Game. Um, we played, uh, yeah, uh, at the um, the Farnham in London. They opened up for us. Like you're always pulling out the cool bands to play with, Ross. Yeah, that's the second time. The ones played with us at the Hundred Club in London as well. We just, we just want to expose people, like or expose our fans to people who we think are good. That's a, that's the main thing. And what I think is really cool is Comic Gain are kind of mod, and it kind of made me think about mod, and it made me think, Johnny, were you ever into the mod revival, like the Purple Hearts or the Squire? or The Secret Affair. What did you think of those bands? In all honesty, uh, I really wasn't, although it was particularly for my age group. A lot, all my friends were into it, but it, to be seriously, I, I was the band I was in myself, we, I kind of took my own band a little bit too seriously then. That was kind of like pre-Smiths a couple of years before I was getting the Smiths together. So, um, no, I didn't really take those bands very seriously. I regarded the bands you mentioned as uh, only going to be around for like six weeks, and I was out probably by probably about a week. How about places like the Twisted Wheel Club, like those sort of like mod discos? Did you go to those? Were those around then? You must have mingled with some of those same type of people then. I'm not that old, man. No, those Twisted Wheel was in the 60s. Okay, didn't they do a version in the 80s at all? No, I don't think so. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, a kind of a mod, kind of mod, kind of casual sort of tradition in, in Manchester, in, in, from my town. You know, I mean, there's, there's the mods, there is still People. When I was growing up, particularly, there was people who were kind of mods outgrown, and people like suede heads and all of that. And that was that. You know, that made quite an impression on me when I was when I was a little kid. People riding around on scooters and stuff. By that time, as I say, it was suede heads and stuff. But that culture is probably why I'm wearing Clarks. So you know, I'm, I'm you know I understand why you asked me that question because there is some kind of lineage to it's working working class kind of street culture that's uh, kind of too cool to be rock and roll. You know what I mean? So uh, I think. 
you know, I think like uh, that's a pretty valid position even today, really. It's good. Well, I was thinking, Johnny, you kind of got me started in a way. Like, this is ground zero for me. If you check out this tape, what do you see on this tape that's on one side? Oh, right, yeah. I s oh, I see the specials on one side, my friend Jerry Damas, and I see the Smiths on the other side. The Smiths on, this was my tape. So I got into the Smiths, and I got into the specials, so I kind of thought Smiths mod, specials mod. Right, yeah. Did you have any connections with the special? I know the specials are broken. I mentioned Jerry Damers. Did you have you worked with him before? No, I've not. I know. I know Jerry though. He's a real. He's a really honourable guy and a pretty special musician, I think, as well. And um, yeah, I, I think he uh, Jerry Damers. I think is the specials really. I, I don't uh, recognise this new version of the specials without Jerry Damers in it. I think it's. Um, I agree that it's a hostile takeover. I think it's a sham. Because I think more about sort of stuff, mods and everything. And in The Guardian, you were saying Sandy Shaw, who kind of was a mod, was the link between the Smiths and the Cribs? Uh, musically, uh, actually, I was kind of slightly inaccurate about that, for un unusually. No, because it was um, Dusty Springfield. In a way, one of the links, because when I first, the very first time I stood on a stage with the Cribs was at a sound check in Glasgow, and um, Ryan was singing I Only Want to Be With You, and uh, that was a favourite of the Smiths, and, and as I say, it was the first time I ever stood on the stage, and that was what Ryan was singing, so that I felt like there was a link there, and uh, just the girl groups, really. Yeah, that, that's the thing that people don't necessarily realise, like, you know, the Smiths were into a lot of the same punk rock bands as what we were, but, but I don't think people realise that both bands were really into a lot of the girl groups and stuff like that too. When we first started, that's what we um, when we first started, the like my entire idea was that we were going to be like um, like trying to sound like a girl group, but with uh, not not in the like I read that the Ramones did that as well. We did it faster, but we just didn't even want to do it faster. We just wanted to just like I was just really really into like a lot of stuff like, like the Shirelles and stuff like that at the time. So um, yeah, and like one of the first songs the Cribs ever recorded was um, uh, oh, Still Love Me Tomorrow. Yeah. But part of it also is Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon, right? That's where we met. That's where me and Johnny met. And that's what I was wondering. Have you guys been to the Shins Taco Truck? No, it's funny that you, you asked me about that before. I, I actually read up on that the other day. I met, I met the guy's uh, the mother of his child and I uh, I was talking to her about his taco truck. Sounds good. I haven't been there, though. What are your favorite Portland things, Johnny? Stumptown to coffee? No, I don't drink coffee, but I, I really love the bridges. I love the old steel bridge, particularly, and I love um, Portland Books, biggest independent. I think the big... Powell's? Sorry, did I say Portland? Yeah, Powell's book. Well, yeah, you, yeah, have you been there? You've been at Powell's. I love Powell's books, and I, I like the Dow of Tea on Belmont, and I like um, I like Whole Foods wherever I go. Anyway, you know. When you're driving, do you ever see Vancouver, Washington? Do you ever think of Vancouver, BC, when you see Vancouver, Washington? Every time, I was like, that's that's one of the reasons why I we went to the warehouse. I wanted to be in the Northwest, and I looked at the map, and I was like, oh, Vancouver, like that's so close to Portland. And uh, obviously, I was really, really ignorant by saying that. But yeah, I got to this. Uh, my wife likes to go to a movie theater in uh, Vancouver, Washington. Apparently, they have an inferiority complex because you know Vancouver, Washington, Vancouver, BC. People get mixed up. 
Like, have you ever thought that you were going to Vancouver, BC when you were going to Vancouver, Washington at all, Johnny? Well, I nearly got Canadianized, right? Yeah. That, is, that the, is that really a word, Canadianized? I like it, it works. No, I'm not, I've been thinking about it since you said it. So I think I, uh, I've never been Canadianized yet anyway. That would be being Canadianized, I think. So, no. How about Portlandized? Have you got into any of the history of Portland punk? Like the Wipers or Poison Idea? Yeah, the Wipers. Are, we really like the Wipers. We play, we, we play the Wipers by, even by accident. They come on the iPods, mine or Gary's particularly, before we go on stage that, quite a lot. That was like, that people talk so much about the new Portland scene and like this whole renaissance Portland's having now is so, so boring compared to like the, the 80s and 90s in Portland. Like when people didn't know much about it and people didn't necessarily care so much. They were they were like the halcyon days. The Dharma Bums are getting back together at the minute. You know the you know the Dharma Bums. They're getting back together to do a reunion. Calamity Jane were going to do a reunion this month. They were actually maybe going to play with us, but it never worked out. Um, some great bands, really great bands. And I asked you this before, Johnny, but Dave Allen from the Gang of Four lives in Portland, and there was something that was between the Smiths and Gang of Four, but I didn't quite get what you were trying to say there. No, I was telling you that we supported them on their very their final gig, and um, they were hideous, just simply hideous. <laughs> like as people or musically? As people. Uh, not Dave. Someone else in the band who plays an instrument with more strings than the bass. And he just well, he was just really, really not into me using his amp and just was like pretty, just pretty. The yeah. thing is, you know, anyone who knows the stuff knows that you've you, you got to treat opening acts nicely because you never know 25 years later they might be on television and tell everybody about it. You should just be nice anyway, you know? And winding up here with the Cribs and Cribs. Ryan of the Cribs, Kate Nash, your girlfriend? Yeah. She mentioned one of the greatest restaurants in Vancouver. With the Tomahawk Barbecue. In? In, uh... uh, The Times of London. Oh, yeah. Oh, she did that, right? That's cool. Yeah, I saw the picture um, of you with Chuck. It is Chuck, isn't it? Holding the the article. So that was good. You haven't bitten into a... uh, Skookum Chief and got the toothpick stuck up your tooth recently, have you? No, No, because I was so hungry. Have you explained it at all to Johnny, the tomahawk? Yeah, but Johnny, I mean, Johnny's been a vegetarian for a long time, so it's kind of like, I believe that the, um, you know, the the delights of of the Skookum Chief are the Punch Buggy Deluxe in particular would not appeal to Johnny. I take it this artifact didn't really have that much effect on you then, Nardwa? Well, well, meat is murder, yes. obviously listen to the specials more than you listen to the other side, right? No, I liked both, but you can sh- you can have both, right? I enjoy both. We can't have uh, Meat is Murder and a Skookum Chief. Well, actually, Ryan is into that. Ryan does both. Um, I, I, I did do both, but I... Um, I all- oh, <laughs> well, what, what, did I, what did I just admit to? Skookum Chief when you were here with Kit. And then you became a vegetarian. Oh, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. No, when I came over here with Kit, I didn't have a Skookum Chief. I had a... a I had a veggie burger. I've never, I never had one. I, you know, when we were in the studio in the warehouse, and you, you guys brought uh, Skookum Chiefs around, which is really great. The first time the Tomahawk Cafe has ever done a takeaway, though, right? But I couldn't, I couldn't have one. I was bummed out. I, I had to stick to my guns on that. Johnny, did you ever meet Lieber Stoller? No, I know I've never met uh, Lieber Stoller. No, I wish. Uh, I'm not sure. I think they're both alive. Maybe, maybe one of them's died. I don't know. And I. 
asked you this before, the last time I talked to you, I keep mentioning this to you over and over again. The last time I interviewed you, not on the radio, Johnny, it was in Vancouver. Who else did I interview that day? Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. I just, I just love you saying Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. And I asked you this before, and I'm going to ask you this again because it's been a few years, kind of like the guitar magazine. Remember I showed you this fanzine, Murder Can Be... Fun. Murder can be fun, and I don't know if you remember, but look who is the guy who does the fanzine. Johnny Ma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen That's this fanzine. In fact, I, I emailed Johnny the, uh, the link to the front cover. Yeah, it's a different, uh, it's a different um, uh, you know, uh, issue of uh, Murder Can Be Fun, but I found a picture and I took a photo of it on my phone and sent it to Johnny saying... Did you actually do this magazine, or is it just a coincidence? So that's what I was curious. In the years since I've talked to you, have you been meeting people that think you're that Johnny Marks? It's a great fanzine. Yeah, it's a really well-known fanzine, isn't it? Like I saw it a picture of it in like a book of like you know like like a coffee table book of classic fanzines. So it must be pretty well known. The late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, yeah in '86. It gets mentioned to me occasionally, and I keep forgetting about it. You you remind me of it. Thank you very much, Cribs. Uh, lastly, Johnny, why don't you like sea shanties? Um, I wasn't aware that I didn't. Oh, right, right. I get it. Uh, I don't like the tunes. I just don't like the tunes. I don't, I don't like the melody and I don't like the chords. Not really my thing. Anything else to add to the people out there at all, Cribs? Uh, not, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, no. Um, keep on rocking in the free world. Why should people care about the cribs? Why should people care? Because you've got to. All right. No cribs, no life. That was a sign that a kid in Japan had. So um, that's why you should care, you know, because that, that kid in Japan may die otherwise. Well, thanks so much, cribs. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do
you're still listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Calamity Jane with their cover of Strychnine. Calamity Jane, a favorite of the band The Cribs, who I interviewed before Calamity Jane. Coming up right now is a song that the Cribs love, a Canadian classic that they one day hope to cover, Golden Streams, by The Hidden Cameras, and to end the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show, also might play a little bit of Jay Church, another band that the Cribs from Leeds, Wakefield, England, really enjoy. So, right now, here are The Hidden Cameras, a favorite of the band The Cribs, who I just interviewed with the song Golden Streams on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada's Nardwar, The Human Serviette Radio Show. (laughs) 